Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast, a podcast where Rob McLeod and Brendan O'Leary attempt to take apart what education is, look at all the pieces, and then perhaps maybe put it back in some sort of fashion or not. I'm Rob, joined as always by the prolific podcaster, Brendan O'Leary. How are you, Brendan? Not too bad, Robert. Yourself? Can't describe it. Doing well. So we're starting a new uh, season where you have already dug into a traditional approach and a mainstream approach to school. We're in the early days of our inquiry, our exploration of what a progressive approach to education is like. If you've already lost me, you're not sure what we're talking about, skip ahead to the last five minutes of this episode and we'll break down what we mean by traditional mainstream and progressive, um, or just get a thorough deep dive into what we mean by progressive now and skip ahead for the other two uh, later on. So Brendan, what's what's our intention today with this episode? So we're giving a, a 101 on our definition of what progressive education means, uh, its core values and how it approaches all of the different aspects of school. Um, if you know our kind of model, you'll know that we say that education has three aims. is work, preparation, the, the cultivation of citizenship and self-development. The And while all schools will uh, focus on all of these three things to some degree, the progressive education system will lean into the self-development of individuals more than the other two. So we're looking into how this new paradigm kind of promises things that the traditional and mainstream could not offer. And school was once promised to be the key to succeeding in the economy. If you worked hard and got your qualifications, you would get a good job. And it's no longer the guarantee that it once was. And you need to be able to make your own path in this, what might be called the knowledge economy. And as the world becomes more complex, the progressive education system attempts to bring other things into school that were not focused on in previous systems, in previous mindsets, in previous times. And I think that's what's important, this idea of why would you, why would there have ever been a change from traditional to mainstream? Why would there have ever been a change from mainstream to progressive? You know, we are kind of being influenced by the ideas of the spiral dynamic system here, which basically says when living conditions change, the way humans organize themselves changes. And as you said, you know, this among many other things, school was once a guarantee. It still is definitely probably worth doing, but it's no longer the guarantee that it once was. So we need to be able to make our own paths in this changing, evolving world. And thus, some of the promises or some of the ideas of this more progressive approach seem to offer up some solutions that the mainstream or traditional don't in the face of these, these changing kind of world conditions. So one of the changes is this emphasis on the authority of the student and the student's interest and the student's meaning as being the center to kind of build everything around. Whereas previously in the mainstream approach, everything's really built around a curriculum and you know the the measuring of achievement of a for a student against a set an objective third person set of criteria for success and in traditional it was more you know the the common sense the wisdom what is right what you know is time tested and proven now the authority is actually on the student and this is a huge shift because previously it was either on culture or systems and it was something where the individual had to, in some kind of way, submit, succumb to, or, you know, in the most positive sense, become a part of. You became a part of the system. You became a part of the culture. But now we're actually shifting this completely on its head and saying, no, no, no. The whole point of this is for the individual to search out their interests, their meaning, and then find their way in the world. So we find the shift away from the subjects. So, you know, used to be clear cut in the mainstream and traditional of, you know, it's math time, it's English time, it's science time. And now we're shifting to this idea of how all of those subjects interconnect with each other and influence each other. And 
you know, the kind of arbitrary borders we had created begin to fall apart a little bit. And we get this idea of overarching bigger picture skills. And a really good example of that from the IB, the International Baccalaureate System, is this idea of the transdisciplinary skills. So the skills that are actually practiced across all subjects, let's look at those skills and not, you know, border them up into subjects. It's it's more impactful. It's more meaningful if we look at the skills versus subject-specific learning. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, the relationship between the student and the teacher is something we focused on in each of the three types of school. And in the traditional, we said that it was a master and apprentice model. The master knows all of the things that you need to know. And if you as a diligent student listens and works hard and pays attention, you will one day reach that level and you'll become a master yourself. Then we look to the coach and kind of athlete or coached person um, for the mainstream approach. And this was that the coach might not necessarily be the greatest in the world, but they know how to help you to take the next step towards your goals. They know how to coach you and to frame things and to set uh many goals and steps along the way that can critique your own path and they can support you to become more able to do that yourself. Uh, this third relationship is the counselor and the counseled, meaning that the counselor is not necessarily acting from any position of authority and telling the person they're speaking to what they should do or how they should do it but instead they're working with that person to find out what their needs are to elicit those needs and to help them to define where they need to go and how they're going to get there um, and as you can see between those three types of models all three of them have uh, potential to be a very positive relationship but they are very different in how the person that is um in some form of leadership position is acting very different when they interact with the student. And like Rob said, you know, now when that teacher in the role of a counselor is working with students in a progressive school, they are looking for the student's own ideas, their own interests, and what is of meaning to the, that individual student. And that is where they will begin the conversation and the uh, path for them to make their own way through um, their life and, and their own way through school and, and learning. And I think this is the interesting idea that as we move into the progressive approach, we see this constructivist approach to education, this idea that the learner builds their understanding of the world. So this is, you know, coming from the work of Dewey, Piaget, uh, Summerhill, is that a school? Yeah. Yeah, Summerhill was one of the first kind of more progressive schools in, in England. The Sudbury model is kind of, uh, I think, the next step beyond the Summerhill kind of model. Yeah, and what's interesting here is, again, just to juxtapose it with the mainstream or traditional, it's kind of like in traditional and mainstream, they're just, it was a given that there is a world. There is a world of tradition that you're entering into. There is a, you know, economic system you are entering into. Now, constructivist doesn't say there isn't a world you're entering into, but rather it's saying you will build your understanding of the world, not that there is sort of a center of gravity, general consensus world that you need to act, to enter into. And there's also, I think, really this idea of when we move into progressive education, we need to remove a lot of the traditional and mainstream systems, structures, practices, activities that we're actually getting in the way of letting the individual flourish. And there's this kind of immune system response, a little bit of a reaction against too much of systemic imposition. I don't even know if that's a word, but the impositions of a system of authority on the individual. There's this idea, if we get out of the way, if we remove the barriers, then the individual flourishes. So the system should not impose more than is necessary in order to encourage the flourishing of the individual. Yeah, and this is leading to the empowerment of the student. The student authority and responsibility for learning is passed from initially in the traditional school entirely in the hands of the teacher. It's <clears throat> entirely a teacher-centric form of education in which 
information is passed directly from the master to the students, um, it's a it's a one way flow. By the time you get to progressive education, the responsibility and the freedom, the empowerment has been passed over entirely. And again, there's a there's there's um this this notion of passing over responsibility for learning that goes from the mainstream school and into something like an IB school that I would teach him where there are some elements of responsibility being passed over the student all the way to the more progressive schools and right down at the other end of the spectrum things like unschooling and and where a hundred percent of the responsibility for learning is on the individual student and the teacher really is there purely as a facilitator to help them meet those needs We've been talking so far a lot about the individual, and I think it's a bit of a straw man idea to say, oh, progressive is just about finding out what the student wants to do, and it's their own time. Talking about responsibility, part of the responsibility that kicks in here is not only is this inclusive, and not only are we interested in what the student is into, there is also this idea of that things need to be authentic and have real world applications and not just pay lip service or something one day out of the year. I think when progressive education is done really well, this is where we tie in the community around the student and the school. And it might look like community service. It might look like some kind of community outreach. And there is this idea of social responsibility. So I would always tack on to our sentence that progressive education is centered around the student's concept of meaning and interests in relationship to the groups they are a part of. So when you are pursuing that meaning, it's not void of the larger community around you, but it's rather in relationship to the group, in relationship to your environment, what is most meaningful for you to dig into here. As well, you know, again, teasing apart the authority and all these things, there is a move towards non-conformity in the progressive approach. So in both of the previous two, mainstream and traditional, you know, someone goes against something in the rules or the social agreements, you know, there might be that kind of swift punishment in traditional or, you know, a lot of, you know, sort of like talking, negotiating back to obedience to the rules in mainstream. But in progressive, there is this idea of like, well, hold on, what's up here? You know, we're, we can include everything here. We're not going to ignore that something has just happened. Let's talk, let's dig into these issues and let's negotiate some solutions moving forward. Um, so there is this kind of idea that the individual and the group are kind of in this constant process of being attentive to what is arising and this idea of like a willingness to work together to find solutions and not always default back to only what are the rules. Yeah, and so... As with all of these paradigm shifts, there's the pros and cons. So some of the positives that the progressive school potentially brings is that it solves the mainstream problems essentially as a lack of student voice or a narrowness of curriculum or a neglect of student wellness in favor of standardized tests and and uh, grades and, and so on. And so... You know, some of the positives are that, it, that a progressive school will focus on a student voice, as in the students are empowered to make decisions that actually have meaning within the school. And discussions involve students in a, in a meaningful way, unlike maybe how a mainstream school might have a school, school council that might make some decisions about events or uh, how to spend a certain part of the sports budget or something like that versus a progressive school that actually includes students all the way up to hiring and major budgetary decisions and how curriculum is developed and all of those things. As you mentioned earlier, this idea of transdisciplinary skills. So we're focusing on things like communication and self-management and research and thinking skills, social skills, things that go across everything we do regardless of the curriculum and the belief within the progressive system 
is that these are the skills that you're going to need in every single aspect of your life. You can pick up some of those disciplinary skills here and there, but if you don't have these transdisciplinary skills, you're kind of in trouble. And if you do have them, you're going to succeed. You're going to thrive in all of these different areas because it's pretty easy to Google a piece of information, but it's pretty hard to learn how to have deep respect for other humans and be able to work together and to be able to think through issues critically and all of those things. And so um, hand in hand with that, it's, it's normally some form of inquiry-based learning. So students will start with um, shared ideas or their own ideas and passions and dig in to um, different ways to research and then take action on the learning they do very much. One of the uh, drawbacks of both the traditional and the mainstream is that school and learning stays inside the walls of the school versus the progressive, which is that this is meaningful to your life. It's going to change you and the people around you, both inside school and outside school. Um, uh, the idea of wellness, the idea of mental health as well as physical health being uh, very important to being a holistically healthy and balanced person. And so a progressive school would spend time on the spiritual, the physical, the mental, all of the various aspects of health so as to... Um, uh, so as to be aware of all of these different aspects of who, uh, of what makes us a, a healthy and, and well-functioning person. And uh, a final pro might be that it, it attempts to remove unfair systemic disadvantages. And so the mainstream school will say, everybody gets the same test. Everybody gets the same uh, starting point, And therefore this is fair. Um which is equality, where the um, progressive school would work from a position of equity to say, well, hold on, not everybody's starting in the same position. Not everybody has the same physical makeup, the same cultural makeup, the same experiences, the same motivations. And so, sure, are you saying everybody's sitting in this room doing this same um, piece of work, therefore this is fair? Um doesn't take into account the wider context and so progressive education would take into account all of the different aspects of a person that um that might affect how they approach their learning but it's not all good rob and if you want to throw any more pros in there but there's certainly some drawbacks that are perceived from uh the progressive education system which is well, still in its infancy, of course. Yeah, and I think that's an important note to put here is there are certainly moves towards this. They are typically schools that do approach the progressive style typically tend to be in isolation and are in a minority. We've created our own statistic to say that like 98% of schools in the world are probably traditional or mainstream or some mix of both. The number of actually progressive schools that are embodying what we're talking about today is probably less than 2% worldwide, according to the completely made up gut feelings of Rob McLeod and Brendan O'Leary. Uh, that's our site, our source cited. That said, you will see many of the things we're talking about attempted by schools that are in the mainstream or traditional. So, you know, it's not that you can't try some of these things, but we're talking about a progressive system ticking all of these boxes all of the time. And when difficult decisions are made and you have to prioritize things, these are the things that get prioritized over things like standardized test preparation, over things like traditional ways of doing things, etc. So the pros that you just listed, I would argue you get those when progressive education is done well. And these cons are what you're going to see when an attempt at progressive education is probably not done as well. That would be, I'd say, kind of the context here. So cons, progressive education may lack the rigor and uh, development of standardized models or standardized skills that you might find in a more mainstream school. So that push is always coming from the school than mainstream and perhaps allowing a student to unfold or develop more than they would in the less pressurized progressive approach. 
There might be a lack of utility of workplace skills. So yes, students might be excellent at excelling in their own personal inquiries, but the outcome of this in the end might be rather niche things that perhaps don't have wider applicability to, you know, a variety of contexts. Perhaps there's a lack of discipline uh, on the part of the individual or even narcissism being very self-centered, believing that things the world does need to cater to their needs and interests and perhaps not able to find some of that balance. Um, I think the straw man version of the critique against progressive is what we were referring to a few minutes ago of just the idea of, oh, it's only what matters to the student. And it completely disregards the cultural or system, the culture or systems that are around the student. So I think, yeah, when progressive is not done well and it's completely centered on the individual without connect, making those authentic connections to the culture or systems around them, yeah, it might be, you know, an interesting 15 years, but after those 15 years, the societal or economic needs around them aren't being uh, fed or met. And finally, I already kind of alluded to this, but being able to choose your path at every step um, may remove the challenges that provide opportunities for growth. So I often use this line of, you know, I think progressive education done poorly leaves a U-shaped hole in the middle of it. So there will be just things, speaking for myself, that naturally I'm always going to avoid if I have the opportunity to. And, you know, it might take a really good coach or a really good master to really see those, identify them, and make me do stuff I don't want to do that in the end actually allows for more flourishing and more growth for myself. Now, arguably, a really good counselor is also going to be able to do that, but we're talking about the cons here. So maybe this doesn't prepare you for the world in quite the holistic way that the progressive approach has on its label. Uh, but again, those are the cons that come alongside some pretty strong and encouraging sounding pros that you've listed there. Absolutely. So if we focus here now on the core values, so each of the, the three types of school has a core value and the core value for a progressive school is one of inclusion, which can be defined as the action or state of including or being included within a group or structure. And so it's interesting, again, we focused on the growth of the individual, but it's really important that within a school, it's actually about the inclusion of everybody within that uh, in a holistic way. And another way to define it is the practice or policy of providing equal access to opportunities and resources for people who might otherwise be excluded or marginalized, such as those who have physical or mental disabilities or members of other minority groups. And so a progressive school would aim to meet the needs of every student, regardless of how, uh, of any disability or any uh, differences in background or culture. Um, and so the emphasis is on the idea of including all parts of yourself as the human. So both the traditional and the mainstream can be criticized for expecting you, as, as you said earlier, Rob, to just become part of something that already exists. And you don't really get to change it. You might excel in it or you might find your place in it, but you don't get to change it. Um, but previously we we are expected also to exclude parts of ourself from school mostly our own individual thoughts and feelings and and uh, things that matter to us you know things that are somewhat important in our lives um not oh, entirely meaningful excluded. things oh that's the the pure meaning of life yes um, not that they were totally excluded in traditional mainstream. They just weren't really allowed to be the center or to play a, a large role within school. But now that's all on the table. Your your feelings, your hopes, your dreams, your interests, your, your sense of meaning and purpose, the idea that if we do this together, if we follow what we believe is right and we work together to support each other as we all kind of grow and develop as humans, then we would all benefit. Yeah. And in finding our own ways in the world and by like enhancing ourselves and simultaneously enhancing our communities, the world around us, I think the idea of diversity comes in here, but diversity in a larger sense of we're actually bringing a diversity um, 
of not just perspectives, but diverse ways of living, diverse ways of communicating with each other. Like in every aspect, we're bringing this richer and richer diversity because the culture itself can be grown and influenced by the people who are part of it. And through that diversity, if we make this to or connect it in sort of a, I guess, ecosystem metaphor, we're really creating a resilience to the community as a whole by offering such rich biodiversity, for lack of a better word. So I think hopefully we've kind of painted the larger picture of the values and what is different about a progressive approach. But let's zoom in a little bit. We've used this kind of idea of the eight aspects, which confusingly enough is based off the four quadrants of integral theory. But when we talk about a school, we realize that when you just say school, there are these kind of eight different aspects of when discussing any school. So we discuss like the systems and the environment, and that environment could be physical or digital. And the systems being just the ways that we organize things. It also includes the communities, so the overlapping groups of people, as well as the culture, so the ways of being or what is permitted within those social circles. The activities, so the actual practices, what people do, as well as the resources. And then finally, inside the individual, within these schools, there would be individual beliefs and individual reactions to what is taking place. So we're, you know, kind of trying to get like a first, second and third person perspective when looking at the schools here. Which box should we start in, Brendan? Well, if we were over the over the course of these inquiries, I think I've come to to realize that we need to start with the lower left, the culture and communities when we're talking about school, because school is at its core a social organization meeting social functions. And the tussle both internally and externally for schools is what are those cultural and community and social needs that we are looking to meet with our schools. And so I'd, I'd say, let's have a look at what those things look like in the progressive school. Sure. So if we start with the culture of the communities, the kind of internal shared beliefs, there is a belief just in the progressive system, like as a whole, which focuses around like, you know, relativity, you know, sort of everyone's bringing their own thing to the table, equality and equity, community, welfare, so the well-being of people, that having your own individual meaning in life is important, that personal growth is important, we're seeking harmony, we show appreciation, we acknowledge our emotions, and as you said earlier, we don't filter them. Well, perhaps you can filter them, but it's not that there are parts of you that are not allowed. And as well, taking some kind of a deconstructionist view, so like taking apart things, you know, we often look at the most basic things that when we think of school, we think of things that could include desks, timetables, classes, all these sorts of things. Well, that is true for the traditional and the mainstream. But this progressive approach says, you know, we don't have to do any of this if it doesn't make sense. Let's let's re-examine why do we have timetables? Could timetables be done differently? Desks, do we need them? Do we need them the way they have looked? Could they be, you know, used, could we use these environments completely differently? So just this idea of, you know, kind of always agreeing that everything potentially is on the table up for discussion and analyzing the previous ways of doing things and possibly critiquing them as well. So as we'll, as we'll touch on in the beliefs, a lot of these kind of uh, ideas, uh, one time of type of culture or community you might see is, is the commune. Um, and often communes fall apart when they don't, uh, they're not able to integrate all of these things within the culture. It's, it's quite difficult to find a group of people that are able to live together and be all of these things and sustain that for a long time. But, you know, there are, uh, egalitarian communities and self functioning communities that have existed for a long time and have found a way to balance all of these things. But in terms of the communities, 
there is this allowance for that pursuit of equity to say anybody in the school can support this. We can we can look for this equity. We all have a role in helping to meet the needs of everybody within the community. Like we said, the counselor model is, is at the core where the student makes the choices and then is counseled through by the teacher teacher again because of this deconstruction idea meaning very different things than it might do in a traditional school uh, a teacher who spends a lot of time you'll have a lot, usually low ratios so you'll usually have a lot of teachers to a smaller number of students gone are the days of one to a hundred or one to thirty as you get in the current mainstream class we're talking one to ten one to five one to one even and that allows the teacher to focus on the student's unique development through all these transdisciplinary skills. And so that's what these communities and cultures look like kind of for the school to function. Um, that has to be, as you said, Robert, center of gravity. There needs to be enough people in that community operating from that place and not feeling uh, tension to, to move too far towards a traditional or mainstream, but quite happy in those kind of uh, values and ideas we've just described and then the center of gravity of that community will be in this um, progressive place and from that all of the other um, aspects of school the beliefs the activities the resources the systems the environments they will all stem from these underlying cultural beliefs so where do you want to go next rob yeah i think let's look at the activities and the resources here so like that's we've just described the culture and the communities that we'd find in progressive school the kinds of activities like the teaching and learning the learning is by doing and in some ways this might look a little bit like the traditional master and apprentice so a lot more hands-on things a lot more experiential even experimental and you know just things that are meaningful to the individual stuff that is largely being set up or informed because of student influence, not due to a specific curriculum or, you know, well, every year in kindergarten, we go to the apple orchard, this sort of thing. Um, what you're doing, hands-on, experiential, experimental, meaningful to the individual. Negotiated goals based on personal interests and talents. So again, this is where that counselor model comes in to help you to define and clarify what your goals are to help you define what are of personal interest to you and talents and have the space to actually explore that, find out what is and find out what isn't and, you know, be able to like hone in on that. Typically we'll find flexible times and spaces. We already alluded to this idea of kind of deconstructing what a classroom is. As we've seen in the Circle Schools documentary, they talk about how, you know, they have time windows throughout the week and there's just a certain number of hours that people need to be in the building, a, a set minimum. But timing, space is flexible. You don't necessarily have to be in a specific place at a specific time. Um, and that taking action is the goal of learning. So whatever you do, in the end, there needs to be some real world action that you're applying this to. It's not just a written test. It's not just a project like we might see in traditional mainstream approach. There needs to be real um, action as part of this. We've already name dropped transdisciplinary skills a few times throughout this, this idea of the skills that transcend any one subject or any one discipline. And these are the skills that we find across all things, communication, self-regulation, et cetera. With the traditional and mainstream, we saw this idea of like disciplinary skills. So like, you know, you'd have multiplication, you'd have spelling lessons. Um, but in recent years, even mainstream schools have started to use this language more of 21st century skills, higher order thinking skills, problem solving, self and project management, et cetera. You know, this is interesting enough creeping its way into the mainstream lingo or vernacular, but the way that it's actually carried out, I would argue, still looks quite different in progressive as it's tied to what is meaningful to the students and not just because this is something that's on the curriculum. So I'd say that that kind of wraps up this idea of the activities and the resources. So if we wanted to shift from activities and resources, 
uh, maybe down to talking about the systems for a moment. Love the systems, Robert. Love the systems. What I would just touch back on in that last area is that I can't underestimate how the notion of deconstructing or changing times and places is revolutionary in the, in the school. It's uh, They call the mainstream school cells and bells. So it's a bunch of boxes that are linked together by bells that tell us where to go throughout the day. Being able to work wherever, whenever, on whatever you want, and the deadlines are non-existent. They're, they exist because the student is creating them and adapting them as they go. That brings with it a huge amount of uh, challenges logistically, of course, which is why a lot of these schools are smaller but still so much more opportunity for exploration if you're not held to a specific time and a specific place with a certain person on a certain day and so on. And that ties into the idea of systems because if you're talking about this, the pedagogical systems, the learning, as we said, it's less subject specific. It's about these big overarching skills, which are often project-based, inquiry-based, and they... Um, they tie into the idea that uh, learning leads to action, that you can make meaningful change within your community. Um, the idea of distributed leadership within the school about who makes the decision. You know, if we look back at the traditional school, hierarchically, very clear, a pyramid with the uh, leader at the top and they, power is distributed further and further down the students down towards the bottom with very little power um, a little bit more in mainstream you get slightly more uh, distributed leadership where people have more um, responsibility for certain areas and some responsibility even passed over to students this uh, the system within a progressive school is very much a power share it is very much there may be an administration of adults in in charge, but their uh, influence is limited to the absolute minimum so that the school can function with, with power distributed to as many of the people within that school as possible. And again, we saw a great example within the circle schools of how democratic systems can work and, and integrate even younger children into those conversations. If you look in terms of the systems that would even make a progressive school possible, again, we can't underestimate how much the kind of medieval feudal system brought about the traditional mindset and how capitalist systems brought about the mainstream mindset, about how things can be measured and how there are specific attainable goals. If you had a political system that fed into the progressive, it would be socialism. It's the the idea that um, the means of production, the means of distribution and exchange should be regulated and known by the community as a whole. It's, it's um, a country or a globe that ran truly progressive schools would need to do so realistically within a socialist kind of framework because if currently within a capitalist framework our schools are geared towards those capitalist goals again if it's a healthy balance sure there's benefits of that there's drawbacks too a progressive education system would would be uh, at home within a socialist um, political system because it shares a lot of those same views about the empowerment of the individual, distributed leadership, um, individual growth and holistic growth. But how about those environments, Robert? One of the straw man images people might conjure up of progressive is the kind of like hippie back to the earth type of person. And I would say, sure, you'll find some of those within progressive uh, education circles or the kind of value systems that we're talking about. But in a larger, more serious sense, I think in progressive schools, you do see some kind of trend back towards nature and at least back towards like more natural materials and more natural looking environments to be in. Uh, often there's emphasis on more sustainable ways of living that's tied directly into the school. So we've noticed this real trend of like schools 
that are progressive leaning, having a kind of like compulsory or at least um, a section of the school dedicated to things like permaculture or sustainable like food growing, these sorts of things. And it's as though they're like reintegrating uh, like the missing piece of our natural environment from the more mainstream and possibly even traditional kind of world where there's this idea of like, we're going out into the world, we're seeing the shift towards this idea of like, no, 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 we exist within this larger context. We exist as part of nature. And in doing so, we as a whole are going to be better off if we can find more sustainable ways of living. And hence that, you know, becomes an influence for students to be around in their younger years, you know, attempting to make that part of their values and the way that they function and see the world. So if we move from that and shift into this idea of how we see the world, we, you know, this is, I always think like the funniest of the two aspects to talk about this idea of beliefs or reactions. Cause you think, well, that's not, you know, an objective part of the school, but if you've spent any time in a school, yes, you can have activities and resources organized with systems and environments. You can have your communities and cultures, but at the end of the day, you know, the beliefs and the reactions of an individual also have a lot of influence of what the day-to-day -day in a school looks like. So if we zoom into kind of each individual, you know, the beliefs uh, within these individuals, are, you know, something about this idea of like we and I, we are all unique and my perspective is worth valuing and we or I value your perspective as well. So that has to be a part of a person's actual beliefs in order to function in a like coherent or harmonious way with all these things we're talking about. If you don't value other people's perspectives, you don't think we're unique, the rest of this, you know, kind of begins to fall apart. It's sort of like you can take or leave some of it. Also, this belief or value in recognizing all of the parts of yourself, including the conflicting, confusing at times unhelpful parts within yourself, acknowledging that, you know, we are not perfect beings and that, you know, bringing our full selves to the table, honestly and forthrightly, and being willing to receive some influence from those around us or the systems around us, the communities around us, the idea that that is important and worth doing is important. Uh, this belief that you can have a voice and you can change things for the better for individuals and the group is important, this idea of empowerment. And when it comes to reactions, Brendan, I'll pass the baton on to you. I'd say these things we have here are, are, are less to do with reactions and more to do with the broader context of the things that, um, that would need to be in place for these individual beliefs and reactions to kind of be the norm within the within a school um so under underpinning our reactions to things is a, is a belief that this kind of maslow's hierarchy of needs which you may have come across starting there from very basic biological needs all the way up to social needs and eventually with the self-actualization of humans and meeting their highest potential one of the criticisms of, of maslow is that it is very individualistic but if you take those things and and turn them outwards to the group to say no it's not about you reaching your um your zenith at the cost of others it's about the community working together um to help everybody self-actualize by becoming meeting everyone's um, base needs and then meeting everybody's uh, more social needs before eventually allowing everyone to flourish and the wider context of this would make sense in, uh, as I said, socialism. If you if you don't have to get up and go to work because uh, your needs are taken care of, whether that's through a, a basic income or some other way, then suddenly the whole paradigm changes. Uh, you know, if, we're, if we've got a system, a current mainstream system that's training people for work, and that is the main aim of the school, um, but most of those people are going to work because they need to pay the bills as we do and, and pay for our food and so on, and suddenly that changes. 
then the whole notion and nature of work and why we're working and then what we're studying and why we're studying changes and becomes much more in line with these more um, self-development-based goals of progressive education. That's not to say progressive education cannot thrive until the world is a socialist utopia. No, obviously, it has its place within any kind of um, political or economic system. But but clearly, those kind of systems were you are free to develop in your own way without uh, needing to keep um, the economic uh, wheels turning changes everything. And I guess the, the school of thought that ties strongest to this idea is that of postmodernism. And postmodernism can get a bad rap for being quite uh, nihilistic or very hard to pin down what its meaning is. But at its core, in terms of my understanding in this context, it means that everybody's perspective is recognized as being different. It, the, all of my experiences make me who I am and, and are valuable. And so when I'm sitting with you and having a conversation, we're not two robots talking about the same thing from the same place. We are two completely distinct humans uh, and we have everything that has been with us since birth, uh, bringing all of that to the table, um, including all our biology and all of our culture. And so again, that fits very much into that's the kind of reactions that are allowed within a, progressive school a reaction that does take into account everything that uh, you are um and again for a school to allow that and to focus on that is a very different set of goals and beliefs and actions than you would find currently in a mainstream or traditional again there's spaces for it especially in some more progressive leaning mainstream schools but it's not the focus, and it's certainly not the focus when push comes to shove and you've got to hit specific curriculum objectives or you have to meet these uh, certain duties. So, yeah, there's there's think, a lot going on in those eight aspects. That's the perfect tie-in to, I think, our final idea today, this idea of sheens that you and I have talked about, this idea of a progressive Martin and sheen. Charlie. <laughs> This idea of sheens, Martin, Charlie, as well as a progressive sheen, a sheen meaning like a soft shine on a surface. So we've used this to talk about mainstream or even traditional schools that actually use a lot of the language we've just talked about, say that they're doing some of the practices we've discussed today. And to some degree they are, but it's sort of just the surface level of it. And that's not to like diminish or, you know, insult those schools but it's a surface level of a progressive approach. So it's a surface on top of another core value. So you do see lots of the things we've talked about in mainstream schools, but our definition of the progressive sheen or this progressive sheen approach is like you said, yes, the school might talk about wellness, might talk about inclusion, student agency, all of these you know, words we've discussed today, but they're either doing them for a different reason than what we've discussed today. It might be a more mainstream straw man uh, reason like, well, we've found if we focus on student wellness, actually our scores go up. And that's you know why we have this emphasis on wellness, not because we have this more progressive, deep belief in someone bringing their full self and you know self-care and all these sorts of things. So this idea of the sheens of careful, because you might hear a lot of these words used but at the end of the day, when the stress kicks in, like you were saying, Brendan, and we have to prioritize things, we're saying that progressive would still prioritize things like student meaning, wellness, inclusion, student agency, uh, horizontal leadership, these sorts of things, and not revert back to what's underneath that sheen of those more mainstream values, which we've spent the better part of a year and a half uh, explaining. So go back to our previous episodes if you're not sure what that might look like. Yeah. And so I think that's um, a rundown of where we're currently at in terms of our progressive, uh, our, our knowledge and our take on progressive education. Um, neither of us have worked exclusively in schools that are 
totally progressive. We've both been in schools that have had aspects of progressive education. And so this is new for us. We're, we're trying to uh, pick apart what exactly currently makes a progressive school and what the future for the schools might be as we say there's still even though these ideas uh, you know the work of john dewey and so on uh, we're talking a hundred years uh, of, of being filtered through the system and they've had their moments in the sun at times but um i think a big part of it is society changes and, and has become more open and able to accommodate more viewpoints and, and more types of education progressive education has become more possible and so i think there are many many flavors of progressive education and so it's going to be tricky for us to dip in and kind of describe without straw manning or without having to describe six different types of schools well this type of progressive school would do this but this one whereas with mainstream and traditional it was like we were able to simplify it down to one pretty much one imaginary school i think it might be a little bit more tricky with a progressive school because we've got a a range a spectrum all the way from not too far away from mainstream but but definitely centered on on student um growth and development in, in a holistic sense all the way down to yeah absolutely 100 percent. everything is in the uh, in the hands of the student to um to organize or to to push this learning forward so i'm interested I'm kind of uh, talking a lot here because I think I've got a lot of ideas floating around my head. You know, progressive education is the one of the three that is most appealing to me, most interesting to me, but uh, got to be careful we don't get into a, the grass is greener situation where we think, well, well if, if we just all were in a progressive school, it'd all be great because I'm sure there would be a lot of fantastic things, but we're humans and we bring, we bring our stresses and concerns and problems with us. And uh, as a wise man once said, every new paradigm not only attempts to solve the problems of the one before, but also brings along a whole new set of problems that we hadn't even considered before. Yeah. And at times, maybe a coach is what you need. And maybe at times a master and apprentice relationship is what you need. If you're only relying on the counselor 24 seven, there might be some drawbacks to that. Spoiler. The fourth type of school, which we won't talk about for a long, long time. So where are we going next, Rob? Uh, this afternoon, I have band practice and uh, we'll get some gas on the way. The shiny pennies? The shiny pennies. Is that the show band's name? Is it? No. Rob McLeod and the shiny, shiny tuppences. The union matches. Ah, that's right. Based off an old Belgian brand of matches. Sweet, sweet. Well, we will uh, be back real soon, digging into some aspect of progressive education, and um, join us for that. Thanks, Brennan. Thanks, Rob. Bye. <laughs>